Welcome to the KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast Series, delivering fresh insights and perspectives around major accounting and financial reporting developments across a range of timely topics. We thank you for joining today. Hello, I'm John Barbagallo, a Managing Director at KPMG. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of discussing reference rate reform with two of my colleagues from KPMG's Department of Professional Practice, Mark Northern and Lisa Blackburn. Mark is a partner and leader of our National Office Financial Services topic team, and Lisa is a National Office Executive Director and spends a great deal of time assisting our clients with reference rate reform and LIBOR transition issues. Mark and Lisa, thank you for joining us today. Let's start off today's podcast with a quick refresher to level set on what LIBOR is and why the global markets are transitioning from LIBOR. So what is LIBOR? LIBOR, or the London Interbank Offered Rate, is a calculated rate derived from rates that major London banks charge each other to borrow money. LIBOR is used as a benchmark rate to set interest rates for various financial and commercial contracts, such as debt agreements, derivatives, but also in certain contracts like leases, compensation agreements, and contracts with customers. So why are we transitioning from LIBOR? Well, these, and I'm using air quotes, interbank loans on which the banks submit their rates are hypothetical transactions and not actual transactions. And that left LIBOR potentially subject to manipulation. The Financial Conduct Authority, or the FCA, which is the UK Financial Services Regulator, announced back in 2017 that it would phase out LIBOR. So Lisa, with that background, give us an update on where we are today with reference rate reform. Great, thanks, John. And um, also just wanna say thank you so much for having me here uh, today in your podcast. Um, As far as where we're at today, uh, the major US dollar LIBOR rates continue to be published and that will happen through mid 2023. So think overnight uh, LIBOR, one month, three month, six month, 12 month LIBOR, those are still going to continue through mid 2023, but many others have already ceased being published and that includes a number of the non-US dollar rates. Now, many LIBOR-based contracts extend beyond mid 2023. So John, as you mentioned, you know, we're talking about, for example, loans or debt, um, derivatives and other types of contracts that, that have a life longer than a remaining year at this point. And in preparation for the transition away from LIBOR, one thing companies need to do is they need to inventory their contracts to to identify which of those are based on LIBOR that will extend beyond mid-2023, and then potentially work with their counterparties to modify the terms of those contracts to replace LIBOR as the reference rate. Now, in addition to contract modifications, many companies have hedging relationships that are based on LIBOR. And those relationships also would need to be transitioned away from LIBOR. So for example, a company might have a LIBOR-based debt, it's hedging with a LIBOR-based swap. In that case, both the debt and the swap would need to be modified. And then of course, a company will need to consider how to account for those transition activities. Thanks, Lisa. Mark, turning to you for a moment, you know, Lisa mentioned accounting for those transaction or transition activities. Over the last few years, the FASB issued several accounting standard updates specifically related to reference rate reform. So for example, supporting the use of the Secured Overnight Financing Rate, or SOFR, as an alternative reference rate, 
And introducing new topic 848 to the codification that provides companies with relief in the form of practical expedience. So Mark, tell us why the relief was needed and what type of relief is available. Uh, sure, John, I'd be happy to. So I think both you and Lisa have done a great job of outlining that uh, LIBOR is pervasive, that many companies have a number of contracts that are based on LIBOR. And so the FASB intended to address, I think, a couple of objectives related to what they perceived was going to be uh, a large volume of uh, transition activities of contracts that would need to, that would need to be changed. So the first objective that the FASB had was to avoid punitive accounting outcomes associated with this transition. But the second, and I think uh, larger objective that the FASB was addressing uh, was to help entities streamline their processes and make the necessary accounting evaluations less burdensome. So they issued 848, and topic 848 is unique. It's unique in a couple of respects. Uh, first, it uh, provides uh, relief from other parts of GAAP. So that's very different from anything else we have today in that we have a codification topic that exists only to provide relief in certain specified circumstances from other accounting requirements and other parts of US GAAP. And then this, the, the second thing that makes it unique uh, is that it's temporary. Now, uh, I want to address a little bit of a misconception uh, that that some people have when they hear about Topic 848, and that is that Topic 848 does not provide a complete holiday from performing any analysis or doing any accounting. Instead, it allows companies to perform streamlined, less burdensome analyses for a temporary period of time. So that's kind of what the objective uh, of Topic 848 is, and let me then spend a, a couple of minutes talking about the two broad categories of relief provided in Topic 848. The first is contract modifications. Now, US GAAP uh, has uh, guidance on accounting for contract modifications, although that guidance tends to be spread throughout a number of other codification topics. But all of those evaluations relate to uh, generally relate to at least, uh, whether a given contract modification should be accounted for as a continuation of the same contract or whether it represents and should be accounted for as a new contract. This can impact a number of things, including whether a gain or loss is recognized at the time of modification. Many of these evaluations can be time consuming to perform and to document. Topic 848, amongst other things, attempts to address this burden. And the way it addresses the burden uh, is that uh, under its guidance, if the only changes being made to the contract in the modification are related to replacing the reference rate, the company can conclude that the modification is a continuation. So it's sort of a uh, more direct path to reaching a conclusion that the contract should be accounted for as a uh, that the modification should be accounted for as a continuation. Then the company applies uh, the relevant US gap to account for the modification. Thanks, Mark. Question for you. What happens if a company doesn't qualify for the relief for contract modifications? Does that mean the modified contract is automatically treated as a new contract? 
Uh, no, John. In, in that situation, the company uh, simply does an evaluation using other applicable gap to make the determination of whether it should be accounted for uh, as a new contract or a continuation of the existing contract. Um, so it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it, it is automatically treated as a new contract. So, for example, uh, if the company that modifies the debt uh, uses the U.S. gap, or I'm sorry, modifies debt, then it uses the U.S. gap that uh, that applies to debt. So that's contract modifications. As, as I said earlier, there are really two broad categories of relief. So I think we've covered the first one, contract modifications. The second broad category of relief is hedge accounting. Uh, and this uh, hedge accounting really takes up a lot of the uh, the words in topic 848. A lot of the guidance itself is is related to hedge accounting. Uh, but all of that guidance that's in topic 848 uh, is focused on one of a couple of things, either allowing an entity to continue applying hedge accounting uh, or to alleviate some of the uh, burden and simplify some of the hedge effectiveness assessments when a hedging relationship changes because of LIBOR transition. So under US GAAP, anytime a hedging relationship's critical terms change, the hedging relationship is typically required to be de-designated, but the activities that will be needed to transition away from LIBOR will necessarily change those critical terms of hedging relationships that are LIBOR-based. The FASB provided relief to avoid hedging relationships having to be discontinued simply because of the LIBOR transition. There are a number of different types of hedges and different aspects of hedging relationships that can potentially be impacted by LIBOR transition. So there are a number of optional expedients in 848 to address each of those different aspects. There's some fine print for all of the relief. That is, certain conditions have to be met to qualify for the relief, but the relief was intended to be widely applicable, and in our experience, many, many companies qualify to apply it. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Very helpful. Um, a lot to absorb here. So, Lisa, why don't you provide us with an example of how a company could use the relief in Topic 848? Sure. And, and one common fact pattern that we've seen is, let's say a company has LIBOR-based debt and it matures in, say, 2025, so a couple years after uh, LIBOR is expected to be discontinued in the U.S. Um, the company also has an interest rate swap. It has corresponding terms that synthetically, you know, convert those variable LIBOR-based payments into fixed interest payments. And then they designate the swap in a cash flow hedging relationship of the interest payments on the debt. So a pretty, a pretty common fact pattern that we've seen. Now, since both the debt and the swap extend beyond when LIBOR will be discontinued, the company needs to modify both instruments to replace LIBOR with SOFR as the reference rate. Now those modifications might not happen on the same day. So let's kind of step through uh, the different phases in the transition and what kind of relief 848 applies uh, or would apply in those steps. So let's just imagine that first thing the company does is to modify the debt to replace LIBOR with SOFR. And then we'll walk through what happens at this point under 848 based on those two categories of relief that, that Mark had just outlined for us. So the first category that he teed up was contract modifications. So in this case, um, we've modified the debt. 
848 is going to allow the company to account for that debt modification as a continuation of the same instrument. So no extinguishment accounting on the debt. And uh, in order to do and in, in doing that, they won't have to perform and document some of the more complicated analyses that GAAP would otherwise have required to make that determination that there was no extinguishment. Okay, so now the next category of relief that Mark teed up for us was hedging relief. And 848 has expedience that will allow the company to change the hedging relationship without having to discontinue the hedge, even though like the debt, the interest payments have now have been converted to SOFR instead of LIBOR. And the debt has been converted to SOFR instead of LIBOR, but the swap hasn't. So the other important thing here is that this type of mismatch, the SOFR versus LIBOR, typically needs to get factored into a company's assessment of whether the hedge is highly effective. And so the 80 to 125% test that we hear people talk about. But what 848 allows is um, it has an expedient that allows you to assess effectiveness that essentially disregards that mismatch between LIBOR and SOFR. So that's some pretty good relief. Okay, so now we've moved past the debt being modified. And the next thing that's going to happen is they'll modify, the company's gonna modify their swap and they'll modify their swap to also be SOFR based instead of being LIBOR based. And let's just walk through again, uh, the two categories of relief in 848. Um, the first category was contract modification. So uh, the company's modified the swap, um, but the company can use the relief in 848 to say, the swap is just a continuation of the same swap. There's no extinguishment accounting uh, needed there. And then the second category of relief was hedging relief. And again, 848 has a bunch of expedients that will allow this hedge to continue, even though its terms have changed, like the swap has been converted to SOFR. Um, but now here's one thing that's important is now that both the debt and the swap no longer reference LIBOR, they're both converted to SOFR, the company can't continue assessing effectiveness using that special relief that allowed the company to just disregard some mismatches. Instead, what's going to happen is the company is going to switch back to what I'm going to call this a normal 815 compliant assessment method. And that will include needing to evaluate the effect of any potential mismatch, but making the change to using a different assessment method is a permitted change um, because 848 allows that type of change to be made. And like Mark mentioned, there is some fine print, um, including needing to document uh, some of these changes. But this example shows us some ways that 848 helps with the accounting burdens for a pretty common arrangement. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Great analysis and appreciate uh, going through the examples. Uh, Mark, turning back to you, uh, you mentioned earlier that the relief in topic 848 was temporary. So when will all of this come to an end? Yeah, that's right, John. So I, I outlined before that uh, Topic 848 is unique uh, in that it provides sort of relief from other existing GAAP on a temporary basis. Uh, 848 has an explicit sunset date. Uh, it is scheduled to sunset uh, at December 31, 2022. And that's important to note that date because certain US dollar LIBOR tenors will uh, are expected to continue through June 30th of 2023. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a mismatch there, Mark. So how will our standard setters, you know, deal with this mismatch of, of dates? 
Uh, well, the FASB has been monitoring this for a while. Um, I think knew that eventually that sunset date would need to be extended, and they have issued a proposal to extend the sunset date through December 31st of 2024. So that's even later uh, than when the remaining U.S. dollar LIBOR settings uh, are set to no longer be published. So uh, the FASB's issued that proposal. Uh, comments were due on June the 6th, and we certainly uh, expect that that sunset date will be extended to December 31st, 2024. Great. Thanks, Mark and Lisa, and I really appreciate you spending time with us chatting uh, today. I think it was a great overview of what a company should be thinking about when transitioning away from LIBOR, and I'm certainly looking forward to your next LIBOR update. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this KPMG Financial Reporting Podcast. For more in-depth financial reporting developments, analysis, and podcast episodes, please visit frv.kpmg.us and be sure to subscribe today. Also, we're social. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at KPMG Financial Reporting View or with hashtag KPMGFRV.